This episode of the Better Two Podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic and DM Needham, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, as well as Love is Worth Waiting For. Hi gang, Donna here, and welcome to the Better Two Podcast, Season 7, Episode 1. What happened to the end of Season 6? Well, life. Life happened. After pushing so hard like I was doing, I think I had gotten up to... At its height, I had gotten up to maybe one to two episodes per week. Plus, I was doing briefly the other podcast, plus doing a weekly tarot podcast. And honestly, it I just got burned out. I listened to the quality of interviews near the end of my tenure on the podcast. The very last one, that was actually recorded in August. But some of the subsequent ones after that... I didn't have the passion. And if I don't have the passion to tell to talk to someone, then it's going to come across. And you guys who listen are going to find it lacking. So I thought at that point, why keep going? Take a break. Take a break and retool and make the podcast what you really want to make the podcast about. And what I really want to make the podcast about kind of goes along with the line of my books, which is talking about the entertainment industry. It's talking about the highs, the lows, the the young artists that's trying to make it and the struggles they go through. And possibly, if I get lucky, somebody who has already gone through the gamut of it and gone through the trials and the tribulations. But it's also about having heart, having passion, which goes back to why I stopped. Of course, we're going to talk to authors, and occasionally we're also going to talk about metaphysics because, well, that's still in my wheelhouse, and that's still something I do, which kind of brings also back to the absence. So last October, or end of September last October, I started reading again, reading cards professionally again. And I don't do it very often, but I do do it. And that led me into being able to start this year off with teaching, teaching classes about tarot, as well as dreams and candle magic and past lives, which I went down a rabbit hole on my own personal past life that stemmed from a dream, which I I don't even know how to explain it all and how it all came back to this. But back in 2008, I had had a dream about a past life, except I didn't know that it was a past life. And I thought it was just a dream. So I guess I'll talk a little bit about that today too. But overall, I don't want to get sidetracked first, but I wanted to tell you why I had been absent. And part of this also for the last three years, I've been working on my next book. And for the last two years, it's like, okay, I'm going to get it done. Okay, I'm going to get it done. Okay, I'm going to get it done. And so I have numerous pages of words, numerous pages of different points of view and for different books. So I finally said in June, this is it. I'm not playing around anymore. I'm doing it. It's going to get done. And I did it. I did it. Not only did I do that, I recovered my la- my first book, which is my days, which I'm very happy. This is like the true essence of this book because the guy's British. So what better way to say he's a British bass player than putting a British flag bass on it? And then the new one, and yeah, I still have Love is Worth Waiting For, but the new one is Fairy Tales and I Love You. And it was a passion project. And I will have another book out in October that goes along with this one. And it also goes along with that one. And this is from the Better to Burnout series. And the whole fact is, this was a labor of love. I sat down and really dug deep to write this book. And so there's some, some things in there that slightly based on reality slightly but it's always fun to go and escape into a different world especially when you're under a lot of stress when I started this podcast I had lost my husband and I was dealing with a lot of grief and I didn't really have a direction just yet and while I know that yes I'm a little bit grayer now and a little bit wiser I guess It's been a life journey. It's been an experience. It's been a growth process and facing relationships and facing life, things that you don't really think about, that you don't have to worry about on a normal basis. And finally taking a good hard look at myself 
and the people that I have in my life and looking and saying, is this really what I want? So that's a lot to process and putting yourself in front of a camera at the same time to talk about it, about other things. It's not always easy. So like I said, it was better that I pulled back. So I started teaching, like I said, and that was an adventure. And to go back to the past life thing real quick, I had this dream back in 2008 that at least I thought it was a dream. But after holding my class and have presenting all the evidence, because I used to be a claims adjuster and I used to handle very well cases like that would deal with arbitration and sometimes litigation. So I had to put a whole case together. And that's what I did with this past life. It was a case study, basically. So in this dream, I, I'm going to give you the quick rundown. In this dream, I am on a fair, you know, I go to this place, there's a world's fair there, and there's a double yellow Ferris wheel. And I get on this double yellow Ferris wheel and something doesn't feel right for me. And I fall to the ground and I hit the ground. And usually in a dream, you wake up. The interesting thing is, back then, back in 2008, I did some quick research because this just ate at me. That whole, like, for two days, it just ate at me. That this just didn't make sense. That maybe I was picking up on something, but I didn't know what. So I dug in and I found this. I went on the internet and that was part of my job that I loved when I was in insurance. I used to do all the investigation and finding out things. So when it comes to research for my books, same thing. I love that aspect. And I mean, I have tour books from places that don't exist anymore that were never mentioned on the internet because I want that authentic feel in those books. And I write about the eighties, but I digress, which people laugh at me about saying that sometimes, but oh, well, so I dig and I find out that in 1955 on October 12th at the Texas state fair, a double yellow Ferris wheel, uh, had three girls sitting in a chair and at approximately 92 feet height. So the apex, the pin gave way and the three girls fell. One fell to her death. And that was that for me. That was it. I was like, okay, fine. And last October, I had another dream, but it wasn't about that. It was about something else. But in that dream, I was outside of a house and I was looking out across the town and I saw the double yellow, <laughs> yes, I'm tongue tied, the double yellow Ferris wheel. And with that double yellow Ferris wheel, I thought for a second, wait a second, I need my phone. I need to take a picture so I can show my friends because this is the same Ferris wheel that was in my past life. You can find them online in the fair all the time. But for me in this dream, which seemed very real too, and the other dream, the Ferris wheel dream seemed very real. I was adamant that I had to get a picture. So when I started taking classes, this all was still fresh in my mind. And I thought, why not do a little investigation and see what else you can find? And well, I did find out a lot and I found out astrology wise and I found out similarities between me and this person, but the most chilling thing that I found, and as I said, I want to go, you know, let's go back to my initial dream. I hit the ground and usually when you hit the ground in a dream, you wake up. But the fact of the matter is when I looked at her autopsy report, and yes, I know that's gruesome. But I was able to find enough research where I found her autopsy report, and they said that she lived for 10 minutes afterwards, after falling. So, and during, you know, the last five years, I had somebody tell me, a reader tell me that I must have been in the military or something happened to me where I took a bad fall because my body was wrecked. Well, falling 92 feet from a Ferris wheel, that would do it. And one person I am going to bring on, which actually rolls that in is somebody who has been on the show before. And this time we're going to talk about past lives. And I really want to dig deep into that because I think what we don't really always examine, and I know you're going, wow, okay, she's going off the deep end. But the truth is there's a lot of trauma. I mean, how many people have you seen, you know, our stories that you've seen with kids, little kids being able to see grandpa, grandma, or knowing, knowing how to, about a plane or knowing about a place that there's no way in hell they would ever know about. There's tons of stories out there and birthmarks that actually, you know, like a blemish on their skin, a birthmark, a mole, 
and that being from where they actually had trauma from the past. So it's interesting to see where this would go and how we're all interconnected. If you remember when I had uh, Christopher on here, Christopher Inshu, he talked about the fact that we're all connected. So why would a past life be so far-fetched? Anyway, I digress. But so teaching has become kind of a, a fun thing at times. I admit it's a lot of work and it's, it's something that I enjoy doing, but my true passion, it's really writing. And I enjoy reading for others too. And I'm doing that at least once a month, but the true passion is the writing. And I enjoy doing this now that I'm back and I'm actually sitting here doing it. And I've been, I've been saying for the last six months, I'm going to get back into podcasting. My sound guy, Rich is like, yeah, sure you are. Sure you are. Maybe he hasn't said that directly, but you can see it in his, on his face. He's just kind of like, mm-hmm. but that being said, oh yeah. And I also performed a, a wedding ceremony too. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride since I haven't been on air, but the whole fact of the matter is I wanted to be passionate. I wanted you guys to hear my enjoyment because nobody wants to listen to Charlie Brown's teacher. If you get the reference of, yeah, okay, that sounds wonderful. So let's talk about this. No, you want the excitement. You want the, the passion. You want somebody to energize you. And that's where this had to come from. This had to come from a place for me where I was back and I had joy when I did this. And I do. It's something that is part of me. And as much as I sometimes begrudgingly go, well, I don't know. I'm doing it this time. And I'm not going to sit here. We're not going to be doing a lot of, and I'm sorry for the people that may want to apply for the podcast. I'm not going to focus on entrepreneurship. I'm not going to focus on weight loss. I'm not going to focus on those things. If someone's got a really interesting story, I may still venture down that path. Like when we had the, the sex therapist on, I may venture down that path, but I want to try to stick with the entertainment industry. And I will have some authors on. In fact, I have an author that I'll be recording. She's got a new book coming out in November or December, and it's about her grandfather who was a Nazi and then turned into an American spy. So that should be an interesting tale. She wrote a book about it. So we'll have her on. And actually tonight, I'll be recording the second episode of the podcast, which this gentleman, and I'm Tommy Burke, uh, he actually was, well, how do I put this? He worked his way from being a production assistant. And I know what a production assistant does on some TV shows and some movies and finally moved to Hollywood and he was working with Bruckheimer and he ended up becoming an assistant director. Well, here's the deal. As he's doing all this, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so being the workaholic that he is, he decided that he would still fight, fight cancer while working. And so he would be on set for 14 hour days. And yes, set, set life is not always glamorous as we all like to paint it out to be. And then go to the, get his cancer treatment and then go back and he beat it. And so he started working again and he, everything was good. And then he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so he wrote a book called sunglasses and autograph sunglasses, not all sunglasses and autographs. So he's going to be on the show. I'm going to tape him tonight. And then I will be taping an episode with Servon Campbell and he's been on the show about, he's a friend of the show at this point. Yeah. He's a friend of the show because this is either the, I think this is the fourth time he'll be on. And so we have some catching up to do with him because he's got some new music out. And so that will be interesting. And I'm trying to mix it up a little bit with some of the older guests coming back to give us updates and getting some new people in too. So it should be an interesting season. It should be a fun season. So let's see what else we got going on. Oh, yeah. Rich, my sound guy, is still doing everything, third-year audio. So if you need some sound work done, you know, you can reach out to him, send the, send the show a message, and I will put you in touch with him. But for all of you guys who have stuck in and continue to check if there's a new episode, I really, truly do appreciate it because it's nice to know that even though I was gone, we still hit 2,500 downloads and that's great. And I appreciate that you have continued to stay true to the show. 
it does mean a lot. And it gives me a reason to come back that at least there's one person out there, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more, that's interested in what we are doing here. And that is a gift in itself. So as we talk about the coming season, I I know that it's going to be a great season and it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to reach out to one of the show's favorite people that I always get asked if she's coming back. I haven't talked to her yet, so I can't confirm or deny that she will be here because I haven't talked to her. And that is Sarah Martucci. So I know you guys always enjoy when we're together talking. So I'm going to try to bring her back and I'll see if I can't bring a couple other people back. So if you have suggestions of somebody that you might think would be great for the show or that you would like to me to revisit, even if it doesn't fit the actual niche of what we're doing, um, if there's a guest you really would like some follow up on, I'll be glad to reach out and see if they'll come back on the show. Because sometimes when we tape something there's still more to that journey. And there's always that curiosity factor of, well, how did that journey end? Or how is that journey still going? Were they able to keep this or were they able to do that? Or were they a success? I won't reach out to everybody, but I do. If there is somebody you really, really want to know about, please let me know. So what else? I could tell you right now that um, my book is going to be, my book right now is on sale for a little bit, but I'm not sure when this is going to air and I'm not sure when I'm taking that sale price off, but fairy tales and I love you. I will say this. I've never really talked to you guys about my books. You've heard me mention them in different aspects throughout when I talk to other guests, but I should tell you a little bit about my books, but I also should tell you, I have a new family member too. Um, which is kind of an odd story. And I know this is a wild rambling podcast, but welcome to my world. So last, last April, um, I was getting ready to do that wedding ceremony and I was also doing readings. And so I had gotten my dog groomed and I lived in a small town and my groomer knows me for a long time. And she now does not take credit cards, debit cards, anything like that. It's either cash or check which I know check really well it's a small town like I said so I got my dog groomed and I forgot and she's like oh just pay me next week I'm like okay fine well I got so wrapped up in doing a reading one weekend and then performing the ceremony that I forgot so the following Monday when I go back into the store I should preface this with I had told a friend uh, a few months before that if I ever got another cavalier it would have to be a tricolor yeah, you know, speaking into reality, manifestation is real. So I um, I went to go pay her and she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm here to pay you. She goes, oh, okay. And then she had a new dog and no, it wasn't the Cavalier. And I'm like, you got a new dog? She's like, yeah, such and such is uh, he has 13 dogs and his wife is in hospice. And so he's getting rid of the dogs. He's, he's rehoming them. And he's got a Cavalier. And I'm like, oh, really? Mm. Lo and behold. So this was like at 3.30 in the afternoon. She texted him by four. Him and I talked. And by 5.30, I had the dog. So I have a, a new Cavalier who is a tricolor. And he is about mm, a few months younger than Cammy. So, yeah, they've bonded really well. And they have a lot of fun. They have fun. And the cat likes torturing them. And, yeah. So we have a new family member. So now I, you won't only hear me or me telling Kimmy to not bark. There's also Charlie and Charlie's got a bit of a hearing problem on top of it. So that doesn't always work, but we try, we try. So when we talk about where I was going before I got sidetracked with the, with the dog is I've never really talked about my books and my books have been a passion project. I've been writing basically since I was, in high school, one of my friends turned me on to fan fiction. And at the time, it was an escape from the life I had. Uh, appropriately, my mother, when she got my school supplies, she got me a notebook because we had just moved and I was not happy where I lived. And the notebook said, my life is a soap opera. And so I used to keep that notebook as my diary, which I wish I would have kept. But, you know, teenage angst and all, you're just like, I'm done with that life. I'm over it. I'm sure there were some nuggets of le lessons I could have gleaned from that. But anyway, so 
since my friend started writing this fanfic, you know, she would write one and I would write one and we all had our versions and I liked doing it a lot. And she fell off from doing it, but I kept it up. And, you know, what's funny is all everybody else that I've ever written fanfic with, they always have these lovey-dovey, awesome, he swooned in and he loved me so much and it was so perfect. And we ran away and got married. Nah. <laughs> no, um, I've always had drama. I've always put drama in there. And the funny thing is that most of my relationships have not been very dramatic. Maybe it's because I write all the drama out. I don't know. But um, in fact, one of my friends asked me recently, she had just read my last book and she goes, you grew up watching soap operas, didn't you? And I'm like, mm, I've had more than enough life experience uh, to create my own. And then my then some something happened recently with my dad. And I'm just like, see, here it goes. This just proves what I said. So, yeah. So when it comes to writing, it it's really much pretty much passion. And I I messed around with writing. I started a new book back in 1987, May of 1987. I don't have it anymore. I wish I did. I lent it to somebody to read and they never gave it back. But that was it was started out as fan fiction with a friend and then I she quit writing and I just took one of the characters from my own uh, fanfic and changed a lot of things and made it my own book. Now, that 30 year novel, as I jokingly call it, will never see the light of day. And I have bits of it and I have bits of character pieces, but it will never see the light of day. In fact, one part of it became something I had to write for in college when I was in college. Um, my professor said that we all had to write a eulogy. And well, most of the kids I was with, because I was 26 at the time, I had gone back to college on a full scholarship after my first marriage ended. And I decided that, okay. So everybody was supposed to write a eulogy. Um, most of the class, in fact, I think I was the only one that actually wrote a eulogy. Everybody else wrote an obituary. So what I did was I turned myself into my character for my story. And I created, took the characters from that world and wrote out this three-page eulogy scene. And she held my paper back till she gave everybody else's out. And then she said, you need to read this. You need to read her paper. This is what a eulogy is. And some people, I think about five people read it. And every one of them I brought to tears, which said to me that I could actually... I can actually bring emotion to somebody. I may not be the best writer grammatically, but I can invoke emotion. And doing that, that is a gift. Just like when I read somebody, if I'm reading somebody in with their cards and I can, I mean, I'm an empath at times, so I can feel what's going on with them. And I know when I hit a nerve because they start tearing up, I always keep a box of Kleenex next to me and they, uh, and some clients laugh. It used to be pretty bad when I would nail them all the time with this, but now I, I don't invoke them so much to cry, but when they do, it's usually because I hit something that they needed to deal with. But so with the writing, it's become, it's become a passion. So in 2010, one of my friends said, Hey, there's this group I belong to called Vicious Writers, and you should join it. And, and my friend is Danielle. She's a longtime friend and she's a longtime supporter. And I've known her since 1995. So she's been on this writing journey with me for a long time. Uh, we never wrote fanfic together. We kind of just wrote stories. She is a great short story writer. And I really hope she puts some more stories out there because she's a wonderful writer. But so her and I, you know, she's like, you need to do this. I'm like, okay. Cause she got, um, I believe a zombie story published. I'm like, okay. So I sat down in my den at my other house and I said, okay, I'm going to write this. I'm going to write this vampire story and I'm going to win the contest. Cause there was three categories and one of them was for vicious seductions. So I sat down and I wrote, and I wrote hardcore for two hours and it all came out. It all came out wonderfully. And so I wrote it and I put it out there. And the thing about the group is they would offer critique. They would fix the nuance and fix the things that needed to be fixed. 
we didn't have Grammarly, we didn't have pro writing yet. So it was like, you're, you're recognizing, you know, the corrections on word, which aren't always the greatest. So I ended up doing that. And then I decided I had another short story. And this is one thing I think writers don't always often admit to. I mean, I'm a total pantser. I, I totally admit that. But I had another idea for a story about another vampire. And because of what I did in the auto industry or in auto insurance industry, and because of having watched my husband go through pain issues and having my own issues, I wanted to write a story about that, about trading one thing. Okay. So if you had, if you were, you know, you went through all this pain, what would it be like for you to get the dark gift to become a vampire? You'd be healed. Wouldn't that be great? Or would it? And that was the thing. So I sat down to write the story and I had it all planned out in my head and I wrote it. It just wasn't the story that I had in my head. And I think that happens to us a lot. We, we have these ideas in our head and as writers and we're going to put it on paper and then it just doesn't always work out. Both stories though got published in a book called Vicious Bites, which is out of print. And I'm happy to be part of the people that are in there. And I did win the contest. Which, when I found that out, there's a point, there's a picture of me that my husband took at the time, and I am just beaming because it showed me that I I could be a writer. So you would think that success would have said, okay, let's go, let's let's do this. We can be that writer. We can we can make this happen. No, no, not in the. I mean, I was still writing. I was still dicking around with the thirty year story. And I kept going, tweaking it and keep adding to it and kept doing this and kept doing that. And, and it took, it took my husband getting sick. Um, I believe that was 20, it was either, it was 2017 when I started this. So I was stuck at Barnes and Noble and I was still working on the 30 year story and I was losing steam on it. I was, I felt my, I felt I wrote myself into a corner. And so Nigel, which is funny enough, um, I had had a dream back in 2008. And yes, I've had a lot of dreams that have come true and stuff. So, I mean, some of this stuff, when I talk about dreams, it may seem weird, but I've had prophetic dreams. So in 2008, I have this dream that I'm walking around a Coliseum and Nigel's there and Nigel's like, so when are you going to write my book? And I'm like, I'm not writing a book for you. When are you going to write my book? I'm like, I'm not writing a book for you. Well, hmm. he had other ideas. He had other ideas. And so when we go back to 2017, we, we look at the fact that I'm sitting there at Barnes, I'm bored out of my mind, and I think, well, I could start a marketing, I could do a marketing thing. And Nigel is such a shit. Yeah, that's it. I'll do this whole marketing thing and I'll make it a journal. I'll make it a journal for Nigel. Okay. And I admit that the very, the, the, one of the worst scenes in the book, well, the lead up to the worst scene in the book, which is right in the in opening, the, the lead up, I had finished my book and I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to do anything else. That's it. And I, I looked at the in opening and I'm like, mm, no, no, it's not going to work. So we're at breakfast and I was about to take <laughs> Yes, I, this is how desperate I was to see it in print. I was about to take it up to Office Max to print, get some printed copies. And because I had this whole vision that it should be a notebook and, and whatnot. And I do have, hang on one sec. I don't know. You're sitting here going, wait a second. What is she doing? All right. So there's a reason I pulled all this. And if you're a writer, you'll understand. Yes, now my shelf is looking weird, but it's important. So I was so desperate to get this printed i um i sat down at breakfast with my husband and i we're eating breakfast and we're at a restaurant mind you we are at a restaurant and i pull out my laptop and i type the opening scene of the od and i read it to my husband he's like yeah okay that works so then i rush over to kiko's or not kiko's office max and I get this printed. Yes, it's spiral bound. I have I have it all in print. 
when I picked these up, I was just like, oh my God, this is so exciting. This is so great. Da, da, da. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the, the errors. We're not going to talk about the problems with it. But I gave it to a friend and I let her read it. And there's only three of these in existence. And it's, it's pretty wild to be able to say I did this. And yes, at the time, the book was called Better to Burn Out Than Fade Away. My Days of Dancing with the Dark Muse. That is a um, pretty long title. But, but that's not the end of it. No, no, that wouldn't be the end of it for a while. And yes, by the way, this is the Vicious Bites book. So it's pretty cool. And there's a lot of great stories. So if you can never find a copy, there's some great authors in there. Linda Lovecraft has some great stories. So back to this writing journey. So then days, days have had four, four or five covers. So I know that I'm going to print it now. I've decided I'm going to print it and we end up making a new cover. Yes, this is my first foray into making a cover. It could be better. It doesn't really suit the book. It's, it is what it is. And I have numerous copies of it, folks, because once again, I rushed. I rushed and got it done because I had a book signing at Barnes & Noble and they were closing. So, and I should say this too, the one funny thing that kept me going besides my friend Jules, uh, who kept commenting about how I should lynch this man, was the fact that I had rehab centers following me, following the blog and liking the post. And it's like, you do realize this is a fictional person, but they didn't. So I took it that if they believe that this guy's real, then maybe he needs his own book. So Nigel was going to get his own book. So there was this cover. And then I had paid to get my author pictures done. And when I had people, I had friends that actually went through my book and edited it as best they could. And so that's my hubby on the cover, which I was very happy to have. And this cover didn't last very long because my hubby would pass. And I decided at that moment, that I was going to do this right. I was going to hire a professional to edit. I was going to hire a professional cover artist. I was going to hire a PR person. I did it all. Well, the PR person came up with this cover. It took me forever to get this cover. And I ended up putting the, the other cover in here. This one's out of print now too. The PR person taught me a lesson or two and for what they got paid, they did absolutely nothing and they did no promotion because by the time they were able about to do promotion, I killed it because the ads that they were making and everything else just didn't jive. So I killed it. I killed the deal. And I realized that I went with the wrong person. I realized that it was a lesson that I needed to learn and it was an expensive lesson. So I was left still to do my own marketing, which if, unless you're hiring a PR person, you're going to be stuck with. And I'm not saying that all PR people are bad. Just the one I hired was, and there's an NDA. So don't ask me who, because I can't say, all I can say is it wasn't a wise choice. And I know you can sit there. Well, you should look at their website. Oh, I looked at their website. I had friends look at their website. They all said, the person looked fantastic, but the truth was there was an issue. So that being said, when we rolled around to this year for the, for the anniversary of the book, I had gotten comfortable enough with making my own covers. I had gotten comfortable enough with, I can do this without a problem. And so I did, I did. And I was happy with it. And to me, it really is the epitome of this book. So who is Nigel? Nigel is this character. He has his own book now. He is this character. And in this book, as and there's a reason why I'm bringing this part up. Most people that read this either say he needs a hug or they think he's the most despicable human being, narcissistic asshole ever. And there's some really awesome reviews on Goodreads about it the very first person that ever read it gave me a really cool <laughs> review and I am grateful for Kathy for that. But in this book, 
I, I was told it's too dark. There's no way you could ever redeem him. So recently, before I put out my new book, I let somebody, I gave somebody a copy of that. She had never read it. She loved my other book, Love is Worth Waiting For, which that's a whole nother journey. So when we look at, so I gave her the book to read and then I gave her this one to read as an arc. And the funny thing about this is she says to me, um, well, I'm team Nigel all the way. You redeemed him completely. I, I love Nigel. I think he's wonderful. So for the fact that I was able to redeem him made me feel really good. Um, the person that reviewed it is Tina Evans. Um, she has a book out, uh, Far From Home, I believe it is. So you should check her out. She's a very good author. She is in, she is from Australia. So yeah, my book went to Australia and she read it and she liked it a lot. But before we jump into this, we should go back to Love is Worth Waiting For. So Love is Worth Waiting For has had two covers, too. It's had this cover. Well, actually, it's had three. It's got this cover, this cover, and then the one that's up on the wall, which was once again done by the PR person, which is just a take on whatever. This year, when it is the book, book baby anniversary, it's getting another cover. So yes, four covers. But the cover is going to match with the series. The thing about that book is it's a standalone, but they're still part of the series because some of the characters show up in it. So it's still part of the series. Days starts in 1984, but escalates to 1997, then goes back to 1984. Love is Worth Waiting For is in 1997. And Fairy Tales and I Love You is in 1984. So eventually the plan is to have all this tie together. But Love is Worth Waiting For was because I would, I've had the opportunity to enter a contest to get a publishing contract. And I thought, okay, this is awesome. This is fantastic. And I pushed myself. I have never written a book in a month. I wrote a book in a month. And I was thrilled that I just flowed. To be fair, though, there was a couple of scenes from that 30-year novel that I yanked and I put in there. No one ever knew that big secret but it's the truth i you know people are like don't get rid of your writing you never know when you use it well i've never have and i have moved stuff so that was one of those things where i moved it and it was fine it fit it flowed change the names to protect the innocent so i did that and when i got looked at the entry contract i saw that there was a line in there that said if we write a book that is similar to yours and we don't accept yours you can't sue us and basically at that point, excuse my French, I said, fuck you, I'm keeping my book and I'll struggle on. I could have shot myself in the foot. That, that's most likely standard. But I talked to a published author through um, another big publishing house and she said, it's not in my contract. Therefore, I said, oh, no, I'm glad I did it. So what I did was I ended up keeping it because at the time there weren't necessarily care. Nigel was not in that book. He got put in that book. I ended up putting them in after there's a birthday scene, birthday party scene that I ended up putting in that book that made it better. And people like that book. It's a duet. It's totally different than days. It's a duet. It's um, romantic suspense. That is a second chance uh, romance for the rock star romance and a secret baby. So there's all these things going on. And most of the time in a fake relationship, because that is there. The fake relationship is just a fake fiance that they never get married. Oh no, they get married. There's a contract in this. So I went whole hog with the twist. I've it, people like it. It's gotten good reviews, but it's something that I was passionate about it when I wrote it. I mean, I put my, it's like that first vampire story. I put my mind to it and I went to task. I knew I could do this and I did, which then takes us to fairy tales. And I love you. So right after I re after I finished Love is Worth Waiting For, I started on my next book, which was supposed to be Gotta Get High to Fall Solo. And I wrote this book out and it was finished. And I wrote some, a character in there that was a nasty villain, really nasty person. And it's a really twisted tale. But I was scared of the backlash because the character was LGBTQ and he was the villain. And I thought, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But the fact of the matter, the book is written in 1984 once again, and people were very closeted back then, unfortunately. 
So it had some of his aggression had to do with the fact that he was closeted. But I pulled it. And so I have a whole book pulled. It's not going to, I doubt it'll ever see print. Um, just like I wrote a book between two characters, Ava and Russell, when I had gotten out of a writer's block, and that's the only reason a- Russell and Ava ever have a relationship. Uh, one month, I wrote 84,000 words because it just flowed. So I had all these books bouncing around and I've written bits for upcoming books because very much when the when the inspiration hits for a scene, I write it. That's it. It's not going to, I'm not going to sit there and go, okay, I have to sit here and write this scene for this. I have to stay in order. No, because if you, if something calls to me from something else, I'm going to do it. Um, in fact, one Mother's Day, I wrote 6,000 words, a little over 6,000 words. And I hate to say it, and I'm not saying who, but in one of my books, somebody loses a baby. And I wrote that on Mother's Day. So I was crying, but and it's a very tough scene, but it came to me that day. It doesn't fit in a book just yet. I know where it will fit, but it doesn't fit. Now, somebody may say, well, are you, since you got all these bits and pieces, you must be obviously a panster and you never outline. Oh, I outline all the time. I have pages of outlines. I even had a whiteboard with outlines. But how do I say my characters, they have a mind of their own. When it comes to Nigel, and Ava and Russell nah. and Nigel and Ava, you know, <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. It's like, they're just the, the, the two fuck ups. They're, they're just going to fuck around with me and we're going to lead you down here. I mean, days and ultimate truth days. The, when I went back to days for a second, the ultimate truth days was supposed to end with Nigel dying and his daughter getting his diary and her writing this out because Ava, her stepmom, gave it to her and wanted her not to make the same mistakes her father did. But driving to dialysis, my husband to dialysis one day, not me, but my husband, um, I hear Nigel in my head going, hey, I got an idea for you. I know people are like, "You got," but we all hear something. Inspiration hits like that for me. So yeah, Nigel's like, hey, I got an idea. Let's, let's do it this way. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Come on, it'll be great. And then you can open a whole series. And I'm just like, I am. Guess who won? We already know because now I have a series. So you have to go where the, the they want to go sometimes anyway. And sometimes you put your foot down, but at least if you go, and this is information for writers, if you ever feel like you're in a box and they present an idea to you, run with it. It may not ever, you may never use it, but you get it out. It satisfies that. And you can focus back on what you want to work on. So when I look at uh, fairy tales and I love you, that's the new one, this one, which I'm going to own up to my mistake. So when I released the, when I released the paperback, I was so busy and so hell bent on trying to get everything out. And I did the cover, uh, same cover. So I'm, I'm proud of my cover so proud of my cover and I got my copies in my hand and I was so proud and I'm like yay I did it da, 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 da. and I went to move my books the next day and oh that's nice isn't it <laughs> nice and plain so unless it's like written in invisible ink I screwed up so I own my mistake everybody's like don't tell anybody I'm like I own it I'm human and I was in a rush getting all this done and when you're doing it by yourself and you have other things to do in your life, just daily living, you can make mistakes. You just have to make sure you're, you're checking. So I fixed it. If you ordered a paperback now, it's fixed. I didn't sell any while this glitch was going on except for my own. So when we go to fairy tales and I love you, it has bounced around several times. Um, Russell is an older guy. And so there was, it's funny because when I got into the reason why I'm stopping for a second is when I got into this industry, I was told because Nigel, Nigel's a cheater in days. Well, no women are going to be mad about this. They're not going to like this. Nobody likes a cheater. And then now there's a whole subgroup of women who like cheaters. So I've come to the point where I'm writing what I want to write. So Russell's older. He's 10 years older than Ava. And everybody's like, oh my God, you know, an 18 year old. We don't like 18 year olds. 
But the whole fact of the matter is for Ava to get close to being the woman that she is in days. She's got to go on this journey. And if you really want to understand her, then you got to go on the journey with her. So fairy tales started out as a duet with Russell. And I realized I didn't want that in there. It was already long enough. I didn't want Russell in there except as how he is, which means you don't know what he's really thinking. I have his points of view for most of the scenes in here. And it paints a totally different picture of the man he is because you don't know what he's thinking. And so I ran with that. So Russell in here in this book, Russell's not the nice one. And then worth waiting for? Oh, yeah. Russell's a great guy. Russell is a guy you should admire. Not so much in fairy tales. But that's the fun of being an author and having characters that are tried and true to you. That you know that you're creating their world that, yeah, I know I have to redeem him. Just like I knew I had to redeem Nigel. And Nigel, redeeming Nigel, once I, I didn't make him die at that end of that book, it gave me an opening to start that journey to, of redemption. Is he still an asshole at times? Oh, yeah. Is he still a fuck up? Oh, yeah. And he's 22. He's allowed. He's in a big band, a popular band. Women want him all the time. But the only woman he wants is Ava, the woman that haunted him while he was under. Oh, did I give something away? Hmm. Yeah, I try to keep that a secret, which goes back to something else. One of the reasons why I go by DM Needham instead of going by Donna on my books is because when I launched Days, I didn't want anybody to know that a woman wrote it. I wanted people to wonder. And I've been told by men that, yeah, you wrote it. You, I thought a guy wrote it. I really did think a guy wrote it. So I knew I did my job. And now this book here is strictly from a woman's point of view, a young woman who's up in her head all the time, but still a woman. And Love is Worth Waiting For is a duet. So a guy and a girl. So each book is a little bit different. My next book is Nigel's version of this book. So half the book is not in here because half this book is Russell and Ava, but it's Nigel's version. So how I've redeemed Nigel so much and so lovingly in this book. Um, let's just say that he's not all, all roses <laughs> in his book because we see the lengths he goes to. We see the manipulation at times. We see him fucking around. Um, he's got a good heart, but you see sides of him that it's like, dude, yeah, you're not disappointing. You're exactly who I thought you were. So if you want a happy, happy for now, because that's what I'm going to say, because I'm going to tell you right now, happiness is not going to last in, in their little world for Ava and Nigel. But if you want a happy for now, this has that. It's a fun read. Right now I have it on Amazon for 99 cents, and I may leave that on till the end of September, just because um, I'm going to be launching the next book. The actual, the next book's already up for pre-order, but I have to lower that price to 99 cents too. So both those books will be out. The, the next one um, is Love, Just Another High. That comes out on Halloween. So October 31st of this year. And then I hope to have another book um, out sometime early next year. But it all depends because in that process, I have a feeling I'm going to be in the midst of a move um, and changing some things in my life. But I'm hoping to keep the podcast going the whole time doing all this, or at least have enough in the can that I can keep it going while I'm away. So I know this has been a long drawn out podcast and you're like, I didn't really need to know all about the books, but the thing is, it's who I am. It's part of really who I am is my writing. And I love my characters. They may drive me nuts at time. They may wake me up in the middle of the night. They may in invade my thoughts but they're part of me. In fact, there's so much a part of me that when I've had other people read me, uh, I had to laugh one time because this woman's like, well, I see this tall guy and he let, he's got brown eyes and he looks like this. And then I see this other guy who's a little shorter. He's got wavy hair. And I'm like, oh, you're talking about my characters. 
And they just look at me kind of speechless and dumbfounded because they're like, what? I'm like, my characters in my story and my books, because they're pretty damn real to me because I have to write this from their lives, their points of view. And when I swore I channeled most of days, now thinking back part of days, it's a lot to deal with my dad, issues with my dad. So that Nigel had some, it was channeled, but there was some other things going on. So all I can say is if you love writing, write. Don't sit there and go, well, one day. If you love painting, then paint. If you love drawing, draw. Follow your fucking passion. And it's important that you do so because that's where our joy comes from. That's where we get out of the mundane. That's where we get out of the fear and the worry. We get to find happiness doing something we are passionate about because nine times out of 10, we're not following our passion. We're just going through the mundane. Unless you have that dream job or the dream family or the dream life. And even then, is that still your, still fulfilling your core, fulfilling your heart? Maybe in some cases, part of it is but you still have to do something that relates to you. And a lot of times those things that we were told as kids not to do painting, writing, that's just a waste of time. Creativity is a waste of time. The fact of the matter is creativity helps ground us. And it's important that we truly embrace it. So on that note, I thank you guys for tuning in and I hope you stick around for the rest of the season. I will have more guest updates. And as always, Rich Zide from Third Year Audio is doing the audio. And uh, my books are all available on Amazon and other sites. Even internationally, you can get the books. So on that note, I hope you have a great day. And as always, I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Oh, and if you want to check out or drop me a line, it's Donna, D-A-U-N-A, at better2podcast.com. It's been a while. So, oh, in the better two moment, yes, I definitely say it was better to have perceived writing and doing the podcast than not doing any of it at all. So I hope you guys have a great day. And as I said before, I'll catch you next time. Bye. Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions. 